0: Good. Excellent, but I think Joey and Nolan are here and uh, we're going to be talking
1: racing and lubrification and a lot of cool stuff. So, on to you, Jeff,
2: and we'll see you guys in about 15 minutes.
3: Sounds good, sounds good. Hey, guys, how are we doing today? Doing fine, how about you? It? I'm doing good. Uh, I can't tell because I can't see the name tags right anything like that. So, who's, Jerry, who's Joey and who's Nolan? So I'm Joey Cabrera,
0: the technical
1: director at Motul. I'm Nolan okay. Browning, a uh, marketing manager from Motul USA and Canada.
3: Well, I'm very pleased to meet both of you, and excited about the fact that you know we're kind of closing out the day here. And um, hopefully, you're having a uh, a wonderful day. I know we've been busy here, in Epartrate, trying to get everybody took care of since this morning. And uh, like I'm really looking forward to. I've I mean, been doing all research on your on your company. But I would like to turn it over to you guys and to kind of kick this thing off. And and where do we start? Because I know what we're trying to get to. And that's a lot of uh, up-to-date new product that you're bringing out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I'll start, um, again, just uh, for people that don't know of Motul. We've been around for uh, over 165 years now, since 1865. So uh, 1853, sorry. So been around since 1853. uh, we could probably fight with some other companies on who's the original uh, oil and or lubricant company in the world, but uh, we're, we're amongst uh, um, the earliest ones. Um, and, you know, we've worked now, this is our 50th anniversary of our Motul uh, 300V line. So you can kind of see it here. Uh, that's what we're known for is a motorsports or racing company. So this is our ester, uh, ester-based oil uh, that's used in racing from Le Mans to Daytona um, and all over the world. So... Um, the history of our brand, the reason for the 300V name is uh, up to that point in 1971, uh, we had 300 victories, major victories around the world, and so they decided the 300V would stand for those victories and let's make a dedicated motorsports line or product. So, um, celebrating the 50th anniversary, we came out with a, a new uh, a new version of it here, so you'll see the difference um, in the, uh, you know, people know us for our kind of, our our nice metal cans that that we're famous for. And that's going to be transitioning to this new more carbon textured looking uh, product. So uh, we're excited to launch this new product. Uh, We like to say it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with the current product, but there's certain technologies and improvements uh, with anything uh, in motor sports. you know, Joey's going to probably go into more Yeah, you know, that.
0: we're always innovating. We never stopped uh, innovating and staying in front of the competition. Worldwide, 300V is known not just in motorsport, but also in power sports. A lot of research and development mm-hmm. goes behind it. So it's very important to always stay there. You know, new engines change, new technology change. So does lubricants. They're changing all the time. So I'm glad to say that 300V is a very unique product, very performance, competition, top tier product that is known around the world. And uh, you know, you
3: know, and, and I want to jump in here real quick and say, you know, what I was able to learn, based off of you know reading, was the fact that the 300V was representative of because you guys such a high had a high quality high temperature oil, and at that time it was really you know in a league all its own. Am I am I correct in what I what I read there? Because uh, you know we all know that that's one of the biggest things that we all fight when it comes to any kind of uh, potential problem. With a vehicle, whether it's a competitive vehicle or even the car, you know you can't stand high oil temperatures because that's the first thing it'll t- take the bearings and the rings right out of one.
1: Yeah, I think to jump in there too, you know, when it first started too, the ester technology that we that we use today was used in aerospace and some of these sort of these industries mm-hmm. outside of um, of uh, you know automotive because they couldn't you know they couldn't take the heat that drastic temperature changes. You know, you're you'd be sitting on tarmac in 100 degree weather. Um, and have a high heat in the engine, and then it's, you know, sitting for long times on the, on the runway, and then it takes off, and it goes to sub-zero temperatures right away, so they were sort of utilizing mm-hmm. that technology, um, and we applied a lot of those those same kind of concepts to motorsports uh, that was having similar kind of, you know, heats to a, to a less drastic extreme, so.
0: Absolutely, and that's why we came out with products like this, because we know how hot an engine can get. When you run an engine for 24 hours in a race like the 24 hours of Le Mans, you better have the best protection because of that type of temperatures that he's talking about so yeah different types of esters because there's all so many we're not going to talk about them now because it will go on all day but yeah we use some of the best of the best technology out there is today available to us and this is the concept this is what we come up with
1: and we say ester too I, I do want to touch on that i think some people kind of go what is that is it, um a lot of them they come from different sources it used to come from animal fats and it used to come from you know coconut oil some of these organic mm-hmm. materials um and that's a lot of the people say oh what did you make improvements on um we could dive more to that but a lot of these are getting you know uh, less mineral oil less crude products you know everyone's trying to go green so there's still some of that um with, with performance in mind so mm-hmm. we went I think it's 25% less um, carbon footprint footprint when we make this product, a lot of it's coming, blending some of those esters that do come from these organic materials that are, um, people always ask us and you Mm -hmm. kind of crack open and they go, "Your, your oil smells so sweet, and a lot of it is the ester materials, it's not coming from from crude oils coming from these sweet natural um, kind of lubricants, um, so. Yeah, yeah,
0: your esters are mostly made by be- from vegetables, minerals and animal fatty acids. So, you know, that's some of the esters that we use. Re- Refrigeration has been using esters for years for better flow under very freezing conditions. Aviation, like you mentioned too, fluctuation of temperatures from sitting in a tarmac being uh, minus 36 up in the air. So you need a very strong product to take that type of abuse for sure.
1: And we use uh, to jump to, it. so a lot of these things, you know, we partnered with um, at Rolex 24 uh, three years ago now, two years ago in 2019, uh, BMW Motorsports team, uh, we signed that deal. And uh, I like to say on the marketing side, we never put our sticker on a car or our bike without the oil actually going to the product. That's one stand we make globally. Uh, if you see Motel branding on a product, it's because we're using them as a te- technical partner to test our products, to give us feedback, to take oil samples. So um, we went and used uh, a kind of an unmarked you know, formula at the time, which is now this product um, at the Rolex 24 in the BMW uh, team, RLL cars. Um, you know, they were running the, the 30 weight to kind of see how's it holding up? How's the shear strength? Is it still remaining that, you know, that 30 viscosity after 24 hours at Rolex and Daytona? Um, so we got samples from them, took it back, sent it back to France. Joey looked at some of it, too. So we all got these feedback from these teams like BMW um, to develop this new product that sees, you know, you can talk about it, Joey, like increase in horsepower, increase yeah. in- power. Increase in
0: horsepower, protection is a big deal because you are racing for longevity, 24 hours, 10 hour, 12 hour endurance races. You're looking for that longevity and that strength on that film of oil that is not going to give up and, uh, you know, give you that coefficient, too, because the way this product is designed to give you that horsepower, but at the end of the day, you still want to make sure that you have a viscosity, that you have something there to protect that engine, and with research and development that we do in not just motorsports and power sports, that's where we get that information. Some of that stuff makes, of course, into our products that we use for the street every day, stuff that has approvals, you know, and recommendations, too, so it's very important that our research and development keeps going and going, because that's why we stay in of the
3: competition. Well, one of the things that I'm sure that some people are going to be wondering about and may even ask here. And again, I encourage all of our folks that are watching and tuned in here this evening to uh, send us some questions. I mean, these guys are, that's what they're here for. So if there's anything yes. that you would like to know about this particular product, because again, as he pointed out, it's been around for a long time. it mm-hmm. have been through a lot of ups and downs, but it's a very successful brand. And, you know, it still is today. It's in over 80 countries around the world. This is not just something you find in France. It's not something you just find here in the United States. So, I mean, it's, you know, international and uh, it works. I mean, that's the thing is it, it definitely works. I think one of the questions would be as we move forward, how about the, you know, the, the 300V being, is it fully synthetic compared to some of your other products where only semi-synthetic? I mean, give us a, a like a, uh, a little bit more insight or education on your philosophy when it comes to fully synthetic versus semi Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's a very good question because, you know, when you say 100% synthetic, here in the United States, you say full. In Europe, they say 100%, right? If you have a cup of water that's a full or 100% full, you know, it's full. But there's more to that than just what I just explained. There's more of a combination of the formulation, how it has to be mixed with different additives. So sometimes you have to use different groups of oils or group three or group two to mix with those additives okay I always use the analogy that if you have chocolate powder and you go home and you want to use it to make a drink what do you use what's the carrier it's the milk that's the carrier you're not going to mix it with orange juice because it's not going to mix well you're not going to mix it with water because it's not going to mix well so you have to have the right combination the right ratios to make that product work the way you want it to work or design
1: that's kind of, I always say, you know, we, we look at different esters and we used to say, oh, it was a double ester blend uh, when we talk about our 300V product or it's, a, oh, it's a ester this and that. Mm-hmm. And I think we found out, you know, it's almost like a curated sample of esters. There's certain esters from different sources that are good for certain things. One for, you know, we talk about horsepower. horsepower, people don't believe horsepower, um, but we've had dyno testing from the Porsche team and our mm-hmm. fast team that just won the uh, GTD championship and the Porsche engineer saw an increase in horsepower. You know, it's, 3%, something small, but it's because we, we kind of select these specific ester materials that go into the blend and know, hey, these are going to give that slick, um, you know, less drag on the motor mm-hmm. to give that horsepower increase. And then we, hey, we'll use this other ester because this has really got high shear stability. Mm-hmm. So this is going to kind of protect. Um, and then some of those cleaning agents, right? And he Absolutely. says, you know, sometimes, yeah, you, you will put some of these uh group three materials in here because they hold the cleaning products yeah the additives detergents right yeah absolutely
0: and of course it has detergents because we get that question asked all the time goes, does this have a detergent of course engines get dirty especially when they're racing for 24 hours so you need something to (laughs) pull that dirt and hold on to it until they take out the oil out of the vehicle right so yeah definitely
1: when they, and I'll say too, you know, similar to, to uh, I guess, race tires, right? They don't have a, it was a DOT. Yeah, you know, mark- mm-hmm. These don't have any sort of approvals for warranty. So a lot of people say, oh, can you use it in your street car? Um, and I said, hey, yeah, if it's a performance car. You've already kind of, you've thrown the warranty out the window on your performance street car. Um, yeah, you get, feel free to use these. They're going to give you added performance, but we don't have any sort of approvals or markings on here. And um, what that allows us to do is some of those uh, products that we have for synthetic service, uh, which are 8,100 products, some of these ones you see back here, um, they have to have specific additives for, for catalytic converters, for emissions, for, to being able to last some of these manufacturers, BMW, Porsche require 12,000 mile plus oil change intervals. So those have different kind of blends based on like what they need in terms of specific additives from the manufacturers. These are purely made for performance. So we we don't have to make as many kind of concessions on on how that blend is handled because yeah. their, their, their main use is strictly performance.
0: So I noticed trying to say that this is a true racing product, okay, it has no approvals, no ACA, no API, it doesn't have to cycle. Like, like he said, a racing tire that is for the track that has no DOT standards, it just doesn't have it. So same thing here, this is what it was formulated for the highest level of competition to where you have a product like this, which is more of a street product, it still has a level of performance, of course it does but it has all the approvals. So we have to meet that criteria of these manufacturers to get those approvals. So it's a little different, long drain interval, not too long of a long drain interval because it's a racing product. This is going to go up against fuel dilution, wear, heat, you name it, it's gonna get beat up. To where this has to last you, if the manufacturer says, hey, that approval that you got for BMW has to last you 12,000 miles, it does. Rule of thumb, you go to a lot of these service shops, they'll tell you to change it at five, seven, six is the average, where I see a lot more of the independent shop saying come every 6,000 miles. But if you go to the dealer, they'll tell you, no, nope, you bring it every 10,000 miles. So, yeah, this product has to live up to that, too, if it has that approval.
1: So I'll have to say, also, you know both these are synthetic products in, in the term that we use in the U.S., but uh, each has different level of products. right? So this has more high-quality Group 5 esters, pure synthetic materials, whereas this has to deal with a lot more of the... Um,
0: yeah. Manufacturing do. requirements mm-hmm.
1: additive. So it's, it's kind of uh, not watered down because it's still a great product for the street, yeah. but again, different uses, right? Different uses, different price brackets. Um, the customers that are going out and racing, uh, have slightly higher, yeah.
0: and uh, and like we always say it's yeah. got to meet a certain standards. Uh, a street oil has to meet certain standards to have these approvals. Yeah.
3: And guys, real quick, you know, when you're talking about the separation between a high performance versus a racing style, do you, Let's just say hypothetically, you're, you're getting ready to run to 24 hours of Le Mans or Daytona, but yet you've also got a World Rally car, and they're asking recommendations. I mean, would you give them a different type of oil when you see a, a circumstance where they're merely in the throttle a lot more, whereas maybe with a World Rally, they're they're banging on gears and downshifting and, and doing a lot more, uh, maybe to abuse to this engine in a different manner? Oh, absolutely. You know, do you have that kind of product that you can kind of tailor make or, or advise them you could, uh, this would work better in this application versus this.
0: Yes, absolutely. You have engine builders, right? That build their engines a certain way. They may ask for a certain viscosity. Again, depending on the competition, we have a 300 V range that covers everything from a zero eight to a 2060. So we cover every mm-hmm. base. So depending on what the the, uh, the technician says to us, then we can recommend what he would need because we got to take fuel dilution also into manner that uh, we have a product that's strong enough because, especially like you said, rally cars. You see a lot of that in rally cars, not just your uh, prototypes and endurance cars.
1: And we we kind of broke things down. So what Joy's talking about too? The different, the main difference, right? Is we're getting as from our current line to our new lines. We added more viscosities. There's there's more and more performance cars they're wanting to run a thinner viscosity. I mean, just to tell some people that you yeah. have race vehicles running a 0.8, like mm-hmm. Joey just mentioned, or a 0.16. Right. How thin that product is, um, they want the most power, right? They want the least amount of drag. So we have a line, which is this orange brand here, which is the power. So that's the lighter viscosities on the lighter side. We added a total of six more viscosities across the whole range. Mm-hmm. And we kind of separated them into power. That's your lower viscosity, the guys mm-hmm. that want the sprint races, the ultimate power. Then we kind of have the middle of the segment, the middle weights, which is called competition. So that's generally like, hey, you're racing, you're kind of mid-level endurance cars. Then we have Le Mans, which we're the only ones that are allowed now as a partner of the 24 Hours of Le Mans to have a couple of our viscosities that are literally branded as the 24-hour Le Mans Mm -hmm. kind of line. And those are your thicker 2060, 1550, 1060. So they're the thicker viscosities that a lot of these guys will run because if you're running for uh, 24 hours, like you said, you have fuel dilution. You want more kind of longevity so we kind of break it down exactly how you said the guy who wants to go out and he's doing a rally it's, it's a sprint race we have the power mm-hmm. line the thinner viscosities because he wants that protection he's only going to run it for 45 minutes So we were just out at rallycross with super motorsports yeah. they're going to run for that race is maybe 12 minutes or less mm-hmm. they want the most mm-hmm. power they can out the gate they don't need the longevity as much
0: yeah. and that's what you guys cool. you felt you
1: feel like you want some questions
0: Yeah, absolutely. Are you ready for
3: some questions from our our viewers? One of the comments was, with the updates to the 300V line, are there and will there be similar updates to your street sport line?
0: Yes. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that because I can't talk too much about it. But, yes, there's going to be a new line coming out uh, called Uh Power. uh, And that's as much as I can say. But, yes, we will add more viscosities. I know right now we have the 550, we have the uh, 540. 540, and that's it. But yes, they are looking into giving it more viscosities and a new name and a new look, absolutely. Yeah, now All now. Right, we have
3: another question also. And it's, as this uh, individual, I'm working for an engineering consultant that is about to start a project on optimizing the bottom end lubrication for a NASCAR Cup car engine. We will be looking at current scavenge pumps, bearing sizes, you know, jets, pressure relief valves to find performance. Do you rec- recommend looking at any particular areas to investigate? You know, and, and my experience would be, yeah, all of them. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there, there's there's, there's yes. always going to be um, a part of the engine that maybe is not being paid attention to or can be sweetened. I'd like to say you can sweeten that performance, and you never know what it is until you really get into it, from the bearings to yes. the rods themselves, all this stuff.
0: No, you're absolutely right, I guess I say yes to that too, and he can even get a hold of us and we can recommend certain things that he can test to see the advantages with this product, especially those esters like you said, maybe he's not getting correct lubrication in certain points where they needs that, you know it's very detrimental to the engine, if it doesn't, esters do that, you know they're polar by nature, so they get attracted to the ferrous metals also. Not just by protecting them, but being there, that film strength, being there for those types of components that sometimes don't get the right lubrication. I know in racing engines, they cover all the bases, I'm sure. But just like anything, it's research and development, right? They're going to see how much horsepower this product can gain, how much protection under stress conditions when they put it in the dyno. I mean, they cover every base. And this is the kind of product that you would want to test with engines like that.
1: Well, I think it, to, to that end too, I think a lot of them, you know, as they can kind of, we've had some teams that they go out and build, rebuild the motor and they completely blueprint it and they can change the tolerances too, because I think a lot of times if you're using a lesser quality oil, they tend to go, oh, we got to go thicker. You know, you're wanting horsepower. They, they re-engineer the rest of the engine to go more horsepower and all this stuff. Then they go thicker on the oil because they think they got to hold up and that's the only way you're going to have enough longevity, which is the wrong answer. We can work with teams. We can go a little bit thinner, work with them on the tolerances of the motor. Yes. So you could run some of these newer 530s, 520s, and even some of these big block motors, yes. again, depending on how much you want to want to go through and blueprint it, um, and then get added power within the rules of the of the series. We can mm-hmm. work with them. I think a lot of people just overlooked that they just put in whatever oil and they go that's eh, it's, it's works you know for us for years for 20 years let's use the same thick stuff and keep going thicker and they're really creating more friction more yeah. drag and more heat yeah and yeah. you're has to work harder
0: to pump that oil up but the other thing is we do have oils called qualifying oils but doesn't necessarily mean that if you have an engine that's using a you know, 1550 or something that you're going to go down to a zero eight no everything takes a step and that's what we're here for to answer those questions when it comes to that somebody calls and say hey, i got this engine that I want looking for a lighter oil, blah, blah, blah. He gives us some of the schematics and then we can, again, let him know, hey, this would probably work best for that engine.
3: One other observation that's been made, and maybe you wanted to address it or not, uh, they said, uh, Jess- Jason was saying, it looks like they'll be a- available in different size from f- f- before. And I guess they're referring to the 300 container you have being yeah, yeah. a five liter container versus the old two liter container. 10. Yes. So. yes,
1: exactly. We realize more and more teams uh, as cool as these look for the guy. And that, that's the other part of this. So there's two part of this, you know, the same thing we give to the BMW Motorsports team for Rolex, you can go out and buy a, any, you know, specialty shop. shop or Amazon mm-hmm. or any of those websites. Uh, but we found, you know, the guys at home love these two leaders because they, they're nice, but the teams go, man, if you can give me something bigger, you know, I have, a, especially we're getting more and more domestic uh, folks, you know, moving away from We're still, a, you know, European company and have a lot of stronghold in those makes, but we're getting a lot of, you know, Corvette owners, things like that. And they go, hey, man, I need a whole case of this stuff. Just to fill my motor, can you guys make it in a five liter or something larger? So yeah, we'll have five liters. For certain race teams, we can now special uh, order like 20 liters and some kegs and drums. So that's something we never had in the past, but more and more teams are, uh, yeah, they just they, they don't want to pour out of the cans all the time. So yes, that is. we'll have a full lineup starting with two and five liters primarily and then special order in larger quantities.
0: Yeah, and just, and just to let you know too, we added actually five new viscosities to the 300V. Just believe it, zero for eight. 0W8, zero 0W16, zero 0W30, uh, uh, 550, and 1060. But when we were those lightweights, just imagine, we wouldn't be talking like that 10 years ago, you know? But now, yeah, they're using 08s and
3: 016s. Real, real quick to uh, the one individual I was talking about, Angel, that asked about the NASCAR testing and the stuff they've got coming up. They said, Thank you very much for your information, gentlemen. This is fantastic. So, if you get a cough Angel, you'll know uh, who it is, Joey or Nolan. That way, at least, you know, they were paying attention here today. And, you know, they're uh, they're taking notes as we go along. And, you know, the, the thing is you talk about the oil weights and, and how that kind of comes into play. And I think we'd be remiss because, you know, I grew up an age of straight 50, you know, and we thought we were really doing something. We backed it off to 40 weight. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're – Working on, you know, when it, how many ever horse I mean, not, how many RPMs you were turning in that engine, that's how much oil pressure you felt like you needed to keep it lubricated. So, I mean, you know, all oh, you, 6,000 RPM, 60 pounds of pressure. You get up to 8,000, oh, all you need 80 pounds of pressure. And then we started learning, well, you know, you're pumping too much oil through there and you're actually stealing horsepower away from the engine with a combination of heavy weight and that much pressure. I mean, the, the gamut has been run to where now all of a sudden you can take and drop this thing here down to, you know, 50 pounds, 55 pounds, real easy, run a lightweight oil and not steal horsepower, but ensure durability and and reliability because of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think we, and and that's kind of the, you know, people ask like, well, what's the, you know, the five and the 30 and there's actually polymers and we've had polymers. You can kind of play with it it's yeah. One of as things is, as it heats up, it gets thicker, right? And that, yeah. that's basically how it works. And so we found more ways to kind of, the, you know, they started up and these, again, you let the engine heat up and most, most series do, right? So most series will have it heat up and go yeah. to these thicker weights. But Absolutely. again, yeah, some of these things, you know, most of the teams, the BMW and the Porsche that they use is 040. They yeah. want that, that quick lubrication to start up, get out there, warm it up and then keep that 40 and it's all about we you know it's as we get to the digital age and they're doing the blueprints they can uh, hey all these channels in the engine it can can maintain high oil pressure with this thin oil Mm -hmm. and still make sure it reaches all the critical.
0: yeah especially when you're racing against endurance races you want to see that consistency in your viscosity that it doesn't drop too much but still be there at the end of the race that's something that they look at just imagine they have to look at the horsepower they have to look at the protection over a period of a a 24-hour race All those things are taken into mind when the 300V is made and uh, I I know we don't have the time today, but we even have graphs of things that we've done on dynos and simulated a 24-hour race where it shows you all those components, all those graphs of the engine doing what it would do on a track like a Le Mans track, you know, and seeing that this product at the end of 24 hours, how that product is still there to protect.
1: And and that's the difference too with the old technology. You would have this mineral products and they go, oh, it's a 50 straight weight. And then you look, you know, after you run it for one race and you probably test it with modern technology, you go, well, it's closer to a 30 weight or less, you know, after a race. And that's kind of the difference with some of these esters is the sheer stability. You could test it after 24 hours and it's, you know, the viscosity level or what it's rated at has not gone down considerably. It's still Mm -hmm. enough to protect it at the start of the race. It's still a 50, you know. Classified as 50 for the whole
0: race. It's not going to just sit there and just get torn apart. Yeah, so. or start dropping down in viscosity, then you get into trouble. You know, so
3: like he was saying, this well, sh- speaking of speaking of that trouble, you know, and again, we touched on this earlier in our conversation about, you know, what your oil line brand was kind of like known for was being able to high, handle high temperatures. What is an ideal temperature and that for your stuff to perform? and either go through its transitional stuff, you know, as far as being 40 weight or anything like that. Do you have anything that you've, you know, when you're testing or you through your experience that says, look, you know, if you're going to get out here and run 24 hours a mile, you know, you need to be able to maintain 180 degrees. You know, if you go out and do world rally, oh we can see a spike because of mud and whatever else gets in there. We can take 300 degrees and not jeopardize, you know, the, the durability.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this oil has been uh, designed to take those types of heat, and I know what you're trying to say that we could come up with a certain temperature that we've seen out in, in the race cars. I know when I was at the Long Beach Grand Prix, we had a guy that got a, a piece of paper or debris stuck in his radiators, and the thing was up close to about 290. You know, and the car right. came in, they pulled the stuff out, right, and he the car came back in for another fault after, and they took the engine apart and says, "Hey, man." that product did its job. It goes, why is that? goes, I know we heated it up beyond what we should have, but it came in for another different uh, issue. And when we took the engine apart anyways, because we had to, we couldn't believe that everything was together. Everything still looked very good to put that engine back and go for another race. Uh, you know, it, it shocked me too because that's what this product is. Like we say, uh, excuse my language, when the shit hits the fan, we have the protection. And I've seen this on Power Sports, I've seen this with a lot of racing cars where they come in and something happened where a pebble hit the radiator and the fluid leaked out and they said, okay, my dummy light goes on, I got to go in, that's it, the engine is done. They take it apart and they've seen, wow, this product really helped when it got to that point. That's the insurance of this product, for sure. Yeah, they
1: said normal running temperatures, right? Just, you know. Yeah. Some guys like, oh, I like to run it hot or a bigger thermostat. I get it in the mid 200s or whatever. We've also had, so we kind of, yeah, around that range, is going to be fine to get up to running temperature. But we've had guys, like I said, call us and say, hey, I'm running Pike's Peak altitude. The way I'm setting up the motor, it's it's like consistently nearing 300 degrees. It's going to be fine. And we say... You know, our answer is always a joke, but we say the car will be on fire before the oil will give out. That's what we always um, say. The exactly. so. I always have
0: this from Dave Woolman. He says, you know what, when it gets to 300, you're just scratching the 300 read. You're really tapping into it. So, yes, definitely. It can take heat very well. And if I'm not mistaken, um, I was told many, many years ago because so I asked that question to some of our chemists. They have tested 300V in a lab, you know, in a control environment, of course, to see where they can break it. And if I'm not mistaken, if I can still remember, it was like 346 Fahrenheit that the oil? 56. uh, 356? 356? 1550. Okay. That it took uh, it before it said, okay, that's enough. So, yeah, it can get very hot and still uh, perform.
3: I mean, that's always a comfort, especially for uh, for those of us who are sitting on the basically on top of the pit boxes and the guy screaming the oil temperatures going up and it's like, you know, what are you going to do about it? Well, you know, we need to make it to the next uh, pit stop, if at all possible. And as long as it doesn't climb above and now we know where your magic number is. And, mm-hmm. and again, you know, nobody is going to do that on, on a long run uh, sustained. I should say, we're not trying to run 24 hours at 350 degrees, but you'd like to know that if a piece of debris or something gets up there. You got yeah. a little bit of a cushion, and and not having to worry about instant uh, failure, I guess, is what we're getting to.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you'd be amazed on some of these cars that do race endurance, mm-hmm. depending, like you said, where they're racing, like Malaysia, where very humid, very hot, where those temperatures are up that close, you know, it's very consistent. But being that, of course, the technology of the engine, the metal energy, everything that they have today, yeah. the type of technology, engines could take so much. Look at a Formula One engine, right? So, this product also does that. It's, it's it's up to that level of performance when it comes to those types of temperatures.
1: And I would say too, you know, the esters by nature are, are polar. So they cling to, uh, to ferrous metals, which mm-hmm. is another benefit of these products. Uh, in addition to all the things we talked about is they kind of, we talked about cold starts. You have people that, oh, I run this in my classic cars. Is it, is it okay for that? And we say, yeah, as long as you're kind of maintaining it and changing it every six months or, or you know 3,000 mm-hmm. miles. But the good part is during cold starts, there's still a film of the ester material that kind of clings to the metal. So you get that startup and there's no metal on metal contact. We've also had teams, Joey's had teams where the guy, the oil pan or something rips out and he he goes for half a lap or a lap with uh, draining oil over the track (laughs) and they get in, they go, I thought the motor would surely give. And they go, no, there was just enough lubrication still inside that motor, even with it Mm -hmm. empty to kind of keep those, the, the main, you know, Materials still uh you know it's kind of a good good uh, insurance plan uh, a lot of times
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and that's the the strength of the 300b those are the kind of testimonials that we see on the track you know not often but when we do see them we're surprised and it's a good thing to just keep recording all those information that we get because that data sometimes goes back to france to let them know look this catastrophic thing happened but look at the engine parts you know they were still all intact and stuff so yeah it's pretty cool
3: you know, I got to ask this, Nolan, because I, it just seems like something that uh, you would have been in, up for, knowing your marketing experience and everything. Is that one of the reasons why all these changes are being made in that 300V can and everything? Because you do, it's the 50th year. I mean, is it is it time to take advantage of the history of this product?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know we look this this current uh, ester core version came out in 2011, so I think we kind of knew the 50th anniversary was coming up, and we kind of had our chemists kind of you know, that's a good thing. It's like, we look at the chemists and we go, hey, what, what has changed? You know, what are we seeing in the market? What are the teams telling us? You know, we you, you said it yourself, more than 80 countries, we have feedback. We have feedback mm-hmm. from teams in Malaysia, hear. Yeah. you know, we have the car coming up in January where we have a racing lab on site. Um, so we have all this feedback. So we kind of came to the lab and said, hey, it's been, uh, you know, 10 years since we've reformulated it, let's get in the lab. It's our 50th anniversary. Yeah, that's one reason. So on the marketing side of the branding, it's great um, to kind of revitalize it. But it's also the lab guys have all this information they've kind of been holding on to from experiencing, um, and Joey can talk about that. We have, yeah, you know, there's new LSPI con- yeah. concerns with Absolutely. certain motors. There's-
0: and, and, you know, there's new emission systems. Knowing that this product is making it more onto the street, okay, and we do mm-hmm. see it in guys that want to, you know, modify the car for the street. He takes it to track periodically, not all the time, but the car has a twin turbo or supercharger or they just beat up the engine. So they go to a product that they know they can rely on. But we have to take into consideration too that smaller engines now with the superchargers, with the twin troubles have been causing some issues, right? And one of those issues is low speed pre-ignition. So this product had to be designed too with that in mind because of the type of displacement engines that have those issues that had to be taken into mind. The other thing is too, they, this product also works in diesels. So they have their diesel particular filter, but guess what? Now Porsche, with their 911s and some of their um, SUVs have also come out with a particular filter called a GPF, gasoline particular filter. So that means that this product also has to take that into consideration because you don't want to pollute those emission systems. They're very expensive to replace. And we don't want to be in fault because they use this product on a car, it's a streetcar. Yes, it's not a long grain interval product, and that's why we advise to change it every 3,000 miles, even if you drive it on the street. But we take all those things into consideration uh, to make sure that if this product does make it into a street application with emissions, that it doesn't uh, void first, uh, void the, the system by, you know, by, by ruining it and making sure that the LSPI, too, is taken care of.
1: And even in biofuels, you know, that's something stuff that's more and more uh, race vehicles in the last you know 10 20 years have been using that so this was compatible on a certain level with biofuels but we we, again we see different people using different fuels different ratios things like that and so we went back and the chemists kind of made sure that this you know didn't affect it at all. They had more and more test samples uh, to kind of go through and, re- and reformulate this in the way they, they probably would have done it back then uh, with more research. So I always say, you know, this is still a great product and it'll be on shelves for a little while, um, you know, but this product as it's coming, again, it's just taking all those things that our chemists have seen in the last decade. Um, and yes, it was convenient that the 50th anniversary is coming up, but we kind of did that formula in mind knowing it had been about a decade since the last reformulation that uh, let's make all the improvements for the 50th year. Uh, to make, you know, make a, a product that's built for the future and, and has our current technology.
0: Absolutely. And also, just to so let you know, because we get this question asked, how good it works with other fuels. Yeah. So it's compatible to alcohol-based fuels, uh, ethanol, up to uh, E85. So, yes, it had to be reformulated, taking that into mind, too, that we got these other type of fuels coming out now. And so, yeah, they did a very good job with this new generation 300V. And I'm sure that right now they're probably designing a new 300V for the next I don't know, maybe five years. We don't know, right? It's always changing, like I said. You know, one
3: thing that we haven't touched on, and I was thinking about this today when I was reading uh, about your company and, and all of a sudden a little light went on in my head. I had been down in one of the local motorcycle shops uh, last couple of weeks and picking up uh, my grandson uh, a crash helmet. And yeah. I remember seeing at this particular deal, they, they specialize in Yamahas and Hondas. And I've seen the, your product up there on the wall. I mean, you know, they, they specialize uh, for four-stroke engines. And also, if I remember correctly, uh, your 4T Gold, it's is like I swear I got the idea of the semi-synthetic. That yeah. You you know, when you do the rest of the homework, I saw that, oh, what's the best motorcycle oil recommended, especially, I guess, in Europe? Um, was mobile. I mean, it was your product. At the top of the list, and and right in there, you know, with with you know, one of the top out of the top five, you had you know three of them in the top five.
0: So. And it's funny you say that because here in the United States, uh, uh, Mr. Dave Woolman is actually that made that happen. He attacked the power sport side, you know, mm-hmm. with all the products that we have from a 100 percent synthetic product all the way down to a mineral product, and did very well in the power sport. That gave actually to the name, and of course, our famous brake fluid. But automotive, of course, it's, it's a big chunk of our business. You know? It's a big chunk of our bread and butter, if you want to call that. And, uh, but that started it all. The power sports, I did
1: and, we said, and that comes because uh, Dave Wollman, our former president, uh, he likes to work with the Yoshimura team in the 80s. And that's how uh, Motul came about in the U.S. is uh, is coming back on the power sports side. And we learned a lot. You know, a lot of the, the there's a 300 v for the power sports side. That's completely different packaging. Um, you may see on the shelves. Uh, it's a famous green color. It's dyed mm-hmm. green. So, um People always call it the alien blood and all these different yeah. things, but um, those, <laughs> those motors, right? They have to deal with even more than you know, yeah, the sure. automotive, right? Yeah. They deal with some of them have shared gearboxes, things yeah. like that. Well, so, they
0: take care of more of the components, right? Yeah. You've got a wet clutch, you've got a gearbox and everything that goes into that crankcase, right? So that oil has to be very robust because it's got to take other considerations because of that wet clutch and gearbox. So just imagine how robust that product has to be designed when it comes to a motorcycle engine.
1: So a lot of those esters and the the, the, the high quality of the motorcycle oils kind of came to the automotive space, I would yeah. say. It, it's kind of like, hey, it was good enough to kind of withstand all this. Let's use that similar technology and something that just have to focus on the motor, cooling, mm-hmm. performing in the motor, not having to deal with a gearbox and all that. So, yeah, we have everything from, you know, we have snowmobiles, we have side-by-sides, side-by-sides. we're going out to the Mint 400 uh, tomorrow to, to be with our trophy trucks, side-by-sides, dirt bikes, so... We have, a uh, basically if it has a motor in it, we have something for it. Um,
3: so. Yeah. Well, but when you saying that, <clears throat> excuse me, let's talk a little bit about the other lubricants that we haven't touched on more of the industrial type stuff. I mean, the gear walls and the brake fluids. I mean, it's not like your one dimensional high performance, you know, street car, you guys, you know, go have a, a broad uh, base that mm-hmm. touches a lot of needs in a lot of different in- industries. So, um, enlighten us on that and you know at the same time while we're going through this i mean do you have any other new products maybe you're planning in in the near future i mean the 50th year is time to roll out the red carpet yeah
0: yeah yeah. we have some new products that we add to our competition line because remember our line is pretty broad right we have a service line Mm -hmm. that i like to call service line because that's what it is and then you have your competition line well within the competition line we have a new high torque dctf we have a service one, and we'll have here shortly a competition one, too, for the DCTF types of transmissions out there. Also, we're adding a new brake fluid called the RBF700 uh, that, uh, again, is, it's a product that we made because we know that new components of brake systems, new materials are used. Carbon brakes, carbon discs get a lot hotter. So we, you know, again, have to make a product that can withstand those types of heat. And to the DCTF,
1: that's, again, following the new technology in racing, we work with some of our uh, Super GT, the Nissan Nismo team that run the GTRs, and those have uh, dual-clutch transmissions in Japan, and that's where a lot of the development happened, where they go, hey, let's do a, an even higher uh, ester-based DCTF fluid that can withstand the power we're using in racing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even some of the you know the C8 Corvette, we work with Amelia Hartford, who had, who had the record mm-hmm. for a while for the fastest Corvette. She's one of the first persons in the U.S. to test mm-hmm. that high-torque DCTF with up to a 1000 foot pounds torque in her c8 so mm-hmm. we have data and samples that we sent back to france from her running in the corvette so um working with even outside of racing just other partners to kind of get that data and kind of adapt to the mm-hmm. market um, and come out with like you know the newer cars have a newer transmission newer gearbox uh, mm-hmm. we got to make sure that we have a high performance product that also uh works for that out yeah
0: so we have every committed products for racing you know from our gear oils very you know a service gear oil and so on so we cover all the bases, even like I said, in power sports, especially with the two-stroke stuff that we have too. We have what yeah. uh, we'll call the eight hundred two t That's the brother of the 300V, but in two-stroke. So we have to make sure that we cover everything and we do it right. Uh, it's not because I just work for Motul, but I know that the products I've used and the testimonials I always get, I've seen it work very well in all the sectors of power sports and motorsports.
3: Hey, real talk- quick, uh, Joey, we, we touched on the heat and the... Uh, I guess the, the new brake fluid you have out there, but Jeremy was asking here, you know, can you talk a little bit more about that brake fluid, you know, and, and what what do, what it does better than maybe somebody else's product does?
0: Yeah, well, I know. Is a
3: higher boiling
0: temperature? Is that what we're looking at here? Yeah, higher volume point because, like I said, of the new components out there, for sure, where it's needed, right? But I, I've always stressed this out to everybody because this is what Dave had taught me. The brake fluid's not going to do the whole job. We make these brake fluids because of those necessities. But we also, I always like to advise everybody, make sure that if you have a car that has more horsepower that you upgrade it. Professional teams know that. But the do it yourself for the guy that goes out to the track there. You always make sure that if you go up in horsepower, you also look at the brake system. All right. Be compatible to them. The brake fluid is going to help you because, yes, at those boiling points, you want a product that can take the heat. You want a product that uh, could recover quickly when it gets to that point. That's very important. Mm-hmm. When you let off that pedal and you go down that straightaway, you want to make sure that that's not spongy or you have a pedal. Because you want to stop that car. These products do that very, very well when it comes to that. So, we, do we have an RBF 600, a 660, and a 700? We cover it all. Again, when we get calls from consumers, we advise them what's the best product they can use. Some will call me and say, Oh, well, I know now you have the new 660. Uh, I want to use it. Okay, well, okay, but it costs us this much. Okay, what kind of racing do you do? What kind of driving do you do? And so on, right? Then I advise them: you don't have to go that further up. The six. You have any problems with the six hundred? No problems whatsoever. Stick to that. So we we're very fair here, not because we want to push something that's more expensive or this and that. We got to make sure that the customer gets the right product for the right needs. Yes, okay, sir. we got we got
3: uh, one of our folks asking us. You know, what is the DOT rating on that fluid? And I know that that's kind of like a, an old standard. So you know, what we what would you consider
0: that DOT rating on that? Well just remember that uh, brake fluids, well, deal it's a back it's backward compatible to a, a dot four, excuse me. I know what you're trying okay. to say. Okay, Thank but you. just remember that Department of Transportation puts out these ratings or these boiling points and wet points, the Department of Transportation. Right. But when it comes up to these high performance, they go way above those standards. I always get that question asked. This is well, are you in the standards? Wait a minute, dear. It's just like our deal a uh, non-DOT tire, right? It has a different level of component and material for the trap. Also, our brake fluids, though they're DOT four compatible, right? Uh, we got to make sure those things go way higher than the standards. And I always let them know, and they I, I, they understand. Once I talk to them in Ammonstrom, how it works, they go, "Hey, I never knew that." I go, "Oh yeah, that's the way it works."
3: Thank you for that. I mean, again, working in in the high performance industry, you understand that. But you know, sometimes people they they just you know they relate to it from you know early days. I mean, I mean the high performance stuff that's out there available on the shelf today has exceeded those numbers. I think the overall standard by quite a bit. And I appreciate you kind of explaining that so that uh, the people who had questions that you got them answered. Thank you.
0: Yeah, when you go like from a dot four forty six boiling point to a six seventeen. RPS 600, there's a big difference there, and there's a reason for that, you know?
1: Yeah, that's what we say. You know, we we always joke that I always have all these guys that upgrade several hundred horsepower in their car and they never touch the brakes. It's upside uh, upgrading the brake fluid, which is great. You know, our brake fluid will, uh, will help you out a little bit, but uh, if you upgrade the brake system, you know, you can then figure out what level you need. So the RBS 700, yes, we're coming out with it because we did have teams like, you know, FAF Motorsports, BMW Motorsports that are racing Rolex 24 hours. And they go, hey, I want the pedal to feel this way. Hey, we're we're using some new components like so the carbon ceramic, stuff like that. So we're seeing a little bit higher temperatures. Yeah, let's go ahead and give them something, again, that step up. But is yeah, so it the average guy who has a good brake system on his car? We've had plenty of people that run our RBS 600 still. And they go, yeah, never yes. boiled it. I change it often, no issues. And I go, yeah, it's great. Use that. Try six sixty. We're just trying to give different options for folks um, that you know that that have different based on their system and based yes. on the racing they're they're doing, whether it's a time attack or a, or long rally things or like drag that. Drag race, right? Yeah, yeah, quarter mile.
0: Yeah, and just to let you know, I think you mentioned uh, the other things that we're doing. Yeah, we are getting more into the heavy duty and industrial oils and stuff like that. So we've hired the right people for that too because we're expanding just like we are in Europe. We're expanding here in the U.S. So yeah, we're getting the right type of team. To tackle that market too but it's exciting because we keep growing and growing uh, but then again it's a pro- it's a company that still has true racing products and everything else that goes with it
1: and the, to that end I think you know we have a Gibson and motor partnership and yeah. it's a 360 partnership so they use our industrial fluids which we're now getting in the U.S. to machine mm-hmm. the blocks for the motors <laughs> and the Gibsons um, and then they fill it with 300V and then they, re- they recommend or require 300V of the teams like an LMP2 and IMSA. So they use our fluids to machine the parts and then they China. use them inside the parts. So we're trying to work on those partnerships in the U.S. so that teams that race uh, with our 300V also use our metalworking fluids when they, when they machine the parts through a Haas machine or, or so on. So
3: Does this product line, will include, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, like a, a heavy duty grease, like a wheel bearing grease or, you know, something like that?
0: Yeah, definitely ball
3: joints, whatever.
0: Yeah, definitely. When we're as we're getting into that market, if you're ta- you're talking heavy duty, correct? Yeah. If, uh, as more and more we get into that market, and we penetrate that market. We have to have the right products for it too. So we do make stuff like that in Europe, and uh, we'll see mm-hmm. how as the market we get more deeper into the necessity of the products that we need to bring yeah. the, to match that market.
3: So, gentlemen, when you say you use that in Europe, do you have? Is it primarily everything still made in France and then shipped over here? Or do you have a uh, basically a distributor and, and a, process, a place where you make the product here in the United States?
1: Yeah. So I would say I mean, there's still a lot of our yeah. product. I think 300V, I think as a company, just as a mantra, I think it'll always be built, uh, blended in, in France. I think that's just kind of the halo right. product. They want mm-hmm. that to be blended mm-hmm. in France. There are some stuff that we, as we do more, again, he's talking about the service yeah. size product yeah. um, that, that we get more and more of. So yeah. they go to dealerships, they do 100. Yeah. More and more of that now is being blended in the US um, to meet
0: the demands because as demands, as we grow and we grow, we need to meet those demands. And we're kind All of right. flowing already in Europe, so yes, we have. We're going to start making some of this product, and we already started making some of the product here in the U.S.
1: And there's some stuff too as well. We have a, tw- a dedicated twin line of products for the Harley Davidsons Indian V-Twins. So that was again very a very local need, uh, and we work with France to kind of take some blends to make it here locally. And again, mm-hmm. that, then you can put the made in the USA and stuff like that on it for that market. So we have a really great twin product for the uh, for the Harley Davidson that's also made here. So we have certain products. When it has a need that we make here but uh, yeah a, a large majority is still uh, still blended in france or in europe and then brought over here yes
3: okay I, i've got to ask the question because uh we discussed it last night on the show that i did here on the part, right. How's the supply chain going as far as from France back over to here? Has everything been able to make it into the U.S. like it needs to be? Or, you know, (laughs) we have to kind of like just get, you know, you got to get aggressive to get it.
0: That's a a very good question because, you know, everything's been affected. We know that, right? You see containers here in Mm -hmm. Long Beach sitting out. They're like sitting ducks. They're just sitting there waiting to get unloaded, right? But there's more to that, right? You have uh, raw materials, too, that taking a big hit. So it's like a chain reaction to everything. So we may have the can and but we may not have the raw material or enough of it so there's so many things that come to play shipping is one of them as you can see raw materials is the other one and even plastic even caps can be a problem so all i'm trying to say is yeah yeah it's affected everybody in every shape and form so we're trying very hard to keep that supply chain going and so far there's some good things and some other things that were Like, you know, hey, making the sign of cross.
1: oh, please, please, get it here, get it here. Yeah, and to that end, so, you know, the 300V, you know, the original, it launched at 24 Hours of Le Mans uh, this year in the summer. And so the the plan initially, I think, for the world was to have it at the end of this year. Uh, It's probably, you know, Q1 next year. Uh, We have some of the product that you see here, obviously. you know, This is one of probably 25 cans in the United States. But uh, we're working through it. So some of this stuff is being delayed. In, to his end, the caps—you know, our, our traditional red cap—we have gray caps coming. So we yeah. try to be resourceful in France. We have some of these products shipping with different—you know—labeling or different caps. But uh, yeah, we said we're not—we're—we're uh, we're making our way through it. So some of the product launches are delayed, but uh, current inventory has been been okay. So, yeah.
3: well, guys, once again, as I have said all day long, when I see these two folks uh, come back on, they're sitting there telling us. Boys, your playtime's over with you. got to come inside and do your homework. And so uh, really appreciate your time, Joey and Nolan. It's been great getting a chance to, you know, get educated on your product. Congratulations on the uh, celebrating your 50th anniversary, even though you've been around longer than that. Yeah. And uh, good luck with the rest of your, uh, this season and going into 2022. Thank you
1: Thank guys, you so appreciate much. your Thank having you. us. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Joey. Thank you very much, Nolan.
2: The concept for EPAR trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for EPAR trade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved
0: it's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in which is free and the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in all you need to do is click on the request more information. If it's a company you click on request more information and then from there it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier.
2: You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing, and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At ePartrade, there is no e-commerce, it's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your work day in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of e trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. e really eliminates having to travel, closing
3: down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. There are two types of people, racers
1: and everyone else. Racer Magazine is for those who believe that racing is a way of life. Racer embodies the excellence that defines a sport driven by passion, courage, and ingenuity. Get one year of both Racer's print and digital edition
3: for only $39 with instant access to our entire digital issue archive. Subscribe now at info.racer.com.